You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Although, <laughs> I guess we'll, I'll awkwardly transition to to this uh, fans of Chadwick Boseman. What do you got going on up there? Ooh la la! I like it. it. When I realized you started talking about Chadwick Boseman, that was inappropriate. <laughs> I, uh, I, I quickly, I quickly transitioned out of it. <laughs> Very nice, though. Uh, but yeah, Chadwick Boseman dead, forty-three years old. Mike, everyone forty years and older get a colonoscopy. That's all I have to say. Colon cancer I don't, again. I don't know if that's correct. What do you mean? He's not dead. No, no, I think they've recently revised like the the time you should get a colonoscopy to forty five. Oh, okay. I mean, there's there's been some prominent people who've you know been you know unfortunately afflicted with this recently. Mm-hmm. Most notably, Chadwick Boseman and uh, Jamie Samuelson of local fame. Yep. Uh, but I mean, I I don't know. I mean, should you get one at forty five or fifty? I mean, I'm not saying don't get one, but I'm just saying I, I don't know if like you know the publicity for this, you know, it, it's right. actually very widely known. But I mean, I, I I don't know that the guidelines should be any different. I'm not an expert. Did he did does he have a family history? That's that's also a factor as well. I don't know. I, I don't know because you know more more there are certain that apparently there's certain genetic markers to it too. So there are. You know, you, you people can have a higher propensity for having it at a younger age, all that stuff. But yeah, absolute uh, shock human, to me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, human beings. Uh, why don't we put all our shit aside and work on this kind of stuff like this? You know, no shit. viruses. I mean, I know it's very important. You know, uh, how many likes you get on Instagram, <laughs> right? Or, or you know, whether or not you're able to create a neural link to let pigs check their emails. But I mean, this is really what we should focus on for now. <laughs> yeah yeah you go on with your bad self elon musk I mean, we have like the world's greatest ever collection of computational ability why mm-hmm. not use it to decode cancer you know maybe viruses right I mean, i'm not the type of person who says you know oh let's only focus on one thing you know but i mean let's maybe put a little bit more power behind this because mm-hmm. solving this will help a lot more money more energy more time or concentration on it. Yeah, that'd be good. But, you know, we can all continue to argue about masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there's a debate there. Oh, my oh, God. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot to add. My, my brother's on the other line. Let me pull him in for a nice debate here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got into it a little bit. <laughs> I saw it. but did not engage. No, I, I, and I figured, you know, like, I mean, obviously, like... You know, it, it it has nothing to do with you, obviously. It was just good. Uh, besides the fact that you know both of us. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it was more, my thing was, so I am a very, one of my buttons is people spreading misinformation. I don't like it. And I was just saying. Like a liberal. <laughs> And I was just saying, like, I looked up because the, the, it had been going around. One of the victims in Kenosha 
was possibly, uh, you know, had a, like a sex charge on his case. And some people were saying that he did, but it was, he was 18 and his girlfriend was 16 and that's where it came from and all this stuff. And so like, I did a lot, like I spent a lot of time, like four hours on the, <laughs> on the internet to try to figure this out. And I finally figured out that the, the image that they were showing was doctor gumshoe. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was created by some dude on imager and it wasn't real or whatever. And so I was just like, you know, this dude's dead. Like it's not cool to his family <laughs> to be doing this. And I think what set, I think what set your brother off is unfortunately some people that I know online happen to be, <laughs> to take a lot harder of attack than I do when it comes to, um, when it comes to argumentation and they started bringing up Trump and Biden and stuff like that. And to me, it wasn't about any of that. Like I didn't care about any of that. It it was about just like whether this is a true piece of information or not. I'm really in a, in a rough position myself because just like as a knee jerk reaction, I hate uh, like bleeding heart liberals who like yeah. cry over. Yep. No offense. I mean, you're not that type, but I mean, you know what I mean? There's plenty of examples of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, the the Trump administration is so objectively bad. I mean, people will listen, like, oh, we did this and this and this. But just objectively speaking, he's not a good president. No. No, and that actually... And no, no, he's not either. But that, that actually uh, kind of dovetails nice or goes in nicely with the next thing I want to talk about, which is Jim Gaffigan went fucking off on Twitter. Yeah, well, I mean, for Jim Gaffigan, it's going hard, but I mean, I don't think it was especially like you know, like harsh or acidic or anything like that. No, he was just he was just stating facts. He's a well-known like a uh, Catholic, and a lot of Catholics are often considered to be like you know conservative mm-hmm. by default, especially on like you know pro-life type issues or right. whatever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like liberal Catholics, uh, including uh, like uh, my my employer. Actually, he calls himself a yellow dog Democrat. I'll vote for any Democrat. Oh yeah, but yeah. I don't think he was especially egregious. No, like, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, egregious. It was, I mean, although his his wife apparently didn't like the fact that he swore <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> oh my god, I hate people so much. Which is so funny because she's like, "Oh, no need to cuss though," and he's like, "Yeah, fine, sorry." Yeah, I think the South Park movie is a perfect movie because it, it, it basically shows that people don't care if you show people, like, you've seen footage over and over again on, like, CNN, Fox News, whatever you watch, mm-hmm. you know, of, like, the, the, the World Trade Center is just collapsing. And, you know, like, 3,000 people are dying in the process of that. And it's fine. Show it all the time. But, you know, say fuck once and it's like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Yeah, I know. I hate it. So well, South Park perfectly summed up. I mean, it's like it's like his... Uh, I mean, Jim Gaffigan's wife, I actually think she writes a lot of this stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. she actually went through, like, some kind of, like, brain cancer a few years ago. You know, hopefully, oh. and from what I understand, she's, you know, recovered. But, but, yeah, it's just, like, I mean, seriously, that's the biggest, you know, the biggest problem with that is he said fuck or shit or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, he probably said dang it. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. He did say, I think he said fuck. Jim, your career. <laughs> I think he said fuck off to somebody, I believe. Uh, it's funny because it's like he's notoriously known as a clean comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also another like infamous clean comedian is Brian Regan. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I was reading like an article or something by Brian, by Brian Regan where he said like somebody was like, oh, you're a clean comedian. And, like he was like getting annoyed by it. So like, he was at a restaurant. He's like, hey, can I get another fucking beer, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I don't I don't know what Jim Gaffigan's political affiliation is because he doesn't. He doesn't talk about it much. I think he's from Indiana. 
uh, which is a fairly yeah, con- Indiana or Illinois, which is a fairly conservative, you know, like middle America type place. They have a lot of, uh, you know, what's in Indiana? <laughs> a lot of Mike Pence signs, but a lot of Medal of Honor winners. If you catch my drift, yeah, exactly. But uh, he, so I don't know that he's liberal now. Like I don't know that he necessarily identifies as a Democrat. And if he does, I'm guessing he's not super liberal, but I don't think you have to be like you said, Mike, I think there are a lot of, so I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to tell anybody's political affiliations, but you know, I, I I work with somebody that might be a business partner. (laughs) That's not a Democrat, but does not like Trump. I, I know a lot of people that are Republicans that have been Republicans for a long time that don't like what he's doing. Cause what, Sure. The stuff he's done and the stuff that he is doing is objectively bad. I think he's also like Mike Bloomberg, where he was like, you know, a Democrat. And then he mm-hmm. found the opportunity. He's like, oh, I'm a re- Republican now. Yeah, exactly. He has no you know real ideology. Yeah, I'm sure we said way more about politics than anybody wants to hear from our stupid podcast. So let's right. uh, let's go on to the IMDb game. Okay, so I've got a good one here for you. There are not a ton of clues. So... Uh, I'm going to Teen Wolf three. Did you say table for three? Is that what you said? Uh, Teen Wolf three. Oh no! I wish there was a Teen. The Wolf Revenge three. of Boof. Is there a Teen Wolf three? No. The Revenge of Boof. <laughs> okay, so under under sex and nudity, <clears throat> some scenes of kissing in a two character love subplot. <laughs> um, Wet Hot American Summer. No. <laughs> let's see uh, i want I'm, I'm gonna save that one but it's so it's it's a masterpiece of writing but uh, i'll give you the profanity two uses of bitches i don't know if i don't know if they're saying it's two bitches or like the word bitch being used twice or if someone is just says bitches twice <laughs> one use of fucker one fuck multiple uses of and variations of damn and hell. The Great Outdoors. Oh my god, I love that movie. But no. I've barely seen it. Uh, let's see. Frightening and intense scenes. Most sequences, as well as the story, okay, in TV series, I guess they, they instead of saying what it was, may be frightening and intense for younger viewers. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to which I haven't seen for the record. The original? You haven't seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street? No. Mm. That's pretty good, but you don't need to see it. Um, you needed six sequels. It was so good. <laughs> so violence and gore. I this is maybe my favorite paragraph that I've ever read in the. There's app. no sex in your violence, Mark. <laughs> Uh, scenes of many main characters deceasing. Most are nonviolent, though. The moral of the majority is everyone dies art to some point. Uh, is this a movie or a TV show? <laughs> that is literally what it says. Okay, so full disclosure, it's a TV movie. The Stand? It is The Stand. <laughs> Huh, okay, I only knew that because we're going to talk about that. That's That was my only uh, <laughs> clue. What does this mean? Scenes of many main characters deceasing. Most are nonviolent, though. The moral of the majority is everyone dies at some point. 
I don't think it's. See, I thought that would be. Uh, I was actually going to guess six feet under. I don't know if you have ever seen that show on HBO. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the very the very last episode is like the best last episode ever. It basically shows how every character dies. Yeah, yeah, that's or a great scene, if you would. Right. The the part yeah. that I was going to say up to the end under sex and nudity was, and, and this is the only other clue left. In a rape scene, it shows a woman's open shirt revealing her cleavage. Boy, does it. Oh. Was that Laura Sangiacomo? That is Laura Sangiacomo. I'd rather part. have her now in it than uh, Amber Heard. Oh, me too. But yeah. So, Mike, do you want to talk about the stand now? Or do you want to talk about the stand? Because I was thinking maybe we could talk about the stand on dumpster diving. Like... Just sort of uh, our general ideas about it, and uh, like the, you know, our I'm not going to rewatch it, but our recollections of the the miniseries and the little teaser trailer that they they put out. Uh, I, I have a lot to say about it, so we should probably save it because I have a lot to say about what we're talking about today. Bill and Ted face the music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I'm very excited to talk about Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah. Mike, what did you think of the movie? You want me to do my dumpster IMDb or nah? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you right. can do yours. Teen Wolf 5. Right. No. A man is seen masturbating off screen. Wait for laughs. Wait, how can he be seen masturbating off screen? It's played for laughs. Okay. Uh, dirty work. No. Okay. Oh, a woman flashes her bra to a man. And the bra is see-through. You can clearly see her nipples. Um, hmm. Police Academy 2. No. Okay. Man is in the urinal. His buttocks are briefly seen. Hmm. A man is in the urinal. His buttocks are briefly seen. Um, Clerks 2? Yes. Very good. Good job. I would have never have guessed this from the clues. Yeah, well, I was thinking the the see-through bra. I was thinking, you know, the that scene with um what's the name? Kevin Smith's wife. And I was like, yeah, Jennifer Kevin something. Yeah, Schwalbach, Schwalbach. I I think her name is Jennifer, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh my goodness. Good job. Three guesses. Very good. I, I like I said, I would have only I was gonna read straight down the sex and nudity. Mm-hmm. Eventually it's a man is seen fully nude from the front with his genitals sucked between his legs. I might have guessed clerks for that. You're right, yeah. But but then a man has sex with a donkey off screen. That's obviously clerks too. Yeah, that's that's the masterpiece that is clerks too. Yeah, that's the uh piece de la resistance. All right. Ooh, French. He fucking sucks, but Rosario Dawson is in it, so I'm not upset. No, no. Rosario Dawson is a is a delightful addition to anything. That you want to fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost spit alcohol all over my computer. Oh, my Lord. What are you drinking, Mark? I'm, dr- I'm drinking vodka and lemonade. Very nice. I'm finishing off the uh, the fifth of benchmark I bought the other day. Oh yeah, uh, I have some uh, Coke Zero, you know, to be healthy. That's right, Mike. You know, we've been having a lot of fun on the show today, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention that our show is sponsored today and for the next six months by MyBookie. That's correct, Mark. MyBookie.com/slash/org. 
<laughs> I believe it's just mybookie.com, but it is the is winning it an app se- too, or is it just like a, a website? I believe I don't know if I don't know if they have an app. My bookie, do you have an app? We don't. They probably do because it's 2020, but I don't know. Well, all I know is that the winning season is returning at my bookie. And do you know what the winning season means, Mike? It means doubling your first deposit. Nice. Uh, a lady for the first time, you double your first deposit? That's exactly right. <laughs> and you just eventually just dribble. No, I'm just kidding. I don't uh, know that is. Uh, but winning season means Survivor, Super Contest, and Squares. You ever do the Squares, Mike? Yeah, I like those, but it's kind of difficult to get it together. Like, uh, for example, my current workplace, there's like less than 10 people there. So, I mean, I don't think, uh, unfortunately, not everybody's a gambling addict. Uh, so, I can't get like everybody to do 10 squares, you know? Yeah, see, that's why you need to go to my bookie for to find all the gambling addicts and to be able to get a uh, squares contest going. And, you know, we're celebrating the NFL season now. I do believe there, from what I've heard, that there will be an NFL season. I don't know exactly how they're going to it work it out. It's been the case so far. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, the teams are kind of isolating, not like NBA-type level yet. Right. You know, I, I haven't even really watched the NBA finals or playoffs. Are you following it at all? No, I'm not. But uh, but I'll tell you who's in it. But Celtics I- but I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to my bookie and uh, and make a deposit, and they will do a dollar for dollar match all the way up to a thousand dollars. Then I'm going to bet on some of those NBA final games. Um, that's pretty sweet because um, I guess the Tigers' odds to win the uh, World Series is like one in three hundred or something crazy like that. Oh, nice! Jump on that. But to win, the, but to win the division is one in one hundred. So I mean, like in this shortened season, I mean, you know how baseball teams go on swings. I mean, mm-hmm. I think even like our team that like had the most losses ever had like a a nice streak there for a while and since you know it's almost a third of the games you know maybe a little more than that there's no maybe about it i can divide by thirds (laughs) um but i mean still it's just like it's crazy because like we're suddenly like back in it now so i mean Mm -hmm. i mean i mean i wouldn't want to go all the way to the casino and like you know to put down like ten dollars against those odds because it's such a waste you know and the odds are so low but I mean, for the comfort of your own home, and they double the bet. That's hundred percent worth it. That's completely solves my problem. Absolutely, and I, I'm never gonna lose. I'm never gonna miss that hundred dollars that I put on mybookie.com or that ten dollars that I put on mybookie.com betting on the the Tigers. But when it you know multiplies into three hundred thousand dollars, then or however that math works, three thousand dollars. Then I'll uh, no ten dollars would only be like uh, three million dollars. Only thirty thousand. What the fuck? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do that, if you go up to, if you go, if you sign up at mybookie.com and make your first deposit and let them match it dollar for dollar, you can also get a free entry into their famed MyBookie Super Contest. To play in the contest, all you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread and have a chance at winning a $100,000 guarantee. That's uh, that's not that hard. Five, five games against the spread. It's been done many times. Yeah. Uh, the best part. Broken legs. My bookie does not send people to break your legs. That's that's another great part about it. My bookie does not employ thugs to break your. If you're that guy from uh, uh what is it, Hidden Gems? They're not going to send uh some dude to sit in a hot uh like vestibule and then shoot you in the head. Spoiler alerts for. Inside or so for uh, what's it called? Hidden gems. Like that. One of those ironic nicknames. But the best part is my bookie has thousands 
of bets to choose from uh, from the full slate of the NFL. We, as we talked about the the NBA playoffs, from live betting to championship futures, which we talked about with the the Detroit Tigers. Every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Now we have a promo code, Mike. Our promo code is late fees. That's L A T E F E E S. If you enter that promo code late fees at mybookie.com, they will double your first deposit. It's an absolute no brainer. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. You know, uh, I, I once knew a guy who bet on Mr. T in Rocky Two. <laughs> And he's no longer with us, but I mean, my bookie, they probably have that on there. Yeah, absolutely. And the Washington generals and he, he bet, he bet on the fight in Rocky uh, too, and bet against Rocky. Thought he was due. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my bookie.com. Rocky didn't lose in Rocky one, didn't he? Oh no, he, he, uh, Carl Weathers. No, he did. He lost. Oh, did he? Yeah. He loses, but he gets the girl. That's the, the whole thing in Rocky one. Yeah. I don't really remember. I don't really like the Rocky movies that much. Yeah, but uh, that is our little promo on with the show. Yeah, let's let's just get right into it. I, I'm very excited to talk about uh, Bill and Ted Three Face of Music. Mm-hmm. Yep. What did you think? To, to me, much like the Watchmen, I had like the most negative, like you know, idea that it was gonna you know be just shitty and terrible and you know just awful. And I think it's a worthy sequel. What about you? Yeah, I liked it a lot. There, I have so it's. It's the compliment sandwich. I do have something that I want to, you know, there, there's something that that I want to add to it. But I thought that, see, the, these Bill and Ted movies, you can't, they're not meant to be, they're not like big. I mean, it's, it doesn't even rise. I've heard people compare it to Back to the Future, obviously, although it was being written before, apparently before Back to the Future. And originally they were going to have the the time travel device be a van because they're a band sure. and you know, yeah. bands. And then they saw back to the future. And they're like, Oh, we better not do this. Cause everyone's going to sure. think that we're copying. I mean, but can you say that was before, I mean, before it came out, but I'm sure uh, back to the future was being written, you know, before, you know, even then. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah. Um, but they, but it, like what I'm saying is they didn't copy that idea. Um, but I've seen people compare it to that and it, you can't, it, it's even more like a reverent and goofy, than that and that's the the tone of these movies like we could sit here and really pick apart the the time travel mechanics and all that stuff but obviously the movie is not about that at all no this is um this is like obviously they're you know successors to the spicoli character from fast times at ridge Mahine. Mm -hmm. although i i read an article or i saw the headline i didn't really read it it was saying that keanu reeves says that they're not stoners which you know okay i could see that yeah, they're supposed to. Be, I, I I don't know what they are. They're kind of surfer guys. They're kind of stoner guys. They're these care the so the the two writers Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, which by the way I just discovered is the son of Richard Matheson. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. we we talked about him yesterday, and he's one of the creators. They play. They yeah, I guess they, yesterday or last last episode, <laughs> but they created these characters in like an improv class or something like that, and that yeah, I heard that. The characters came before any of the, you know, what situation are we going to put them in? Sure. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, I mean, it seems like a very thin premise, but they're able to mine it for, like, so many laughs. Like, I, I love this movie. Like, it's like the opposite of uh, Robert Ebert's uh, review of North. Right. I mean, I, like, it, it, 
the there was a sequel to Dumb and Dumber a few years ago. I didn't think it really quite you know what was successful. Mm-hmm. I think it was like released a couple of years after it'd be a lot more successful. Right, it's just very outdated. But I mean, they're almost like ti- I mean, pardon the pun, but they're almost like timeless characters. Bill and Ted. Yeah, absolutely. They're like they're, and I mean, it's kind of weird, much like uh, with El Camino, to see like the same actors playing, and they're obviously older, and you know. I mean, they're not, they're really not fatter, like much like, you know, in, in, <laughs> no. uh, in, in El Camino, like Jesse Plemons obviously gained some weight, but, you know, you can tell they're older, but it's, it's hilarious. So the very first scene is they're playing a wedding. Yeah. And it's, a uh, it's, and I love that they did this. It's Missy from the first two ones. She's divorced. Uh, yes. Ted's dad. <laughs> She's marrying Ted's brother, Deacon, who was only ever referenced in the, uh, the weird sequence in hell where he stole his Easter basket. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Which made me so happy that they just, like, I mean, obviously it's the same writers. They were just so like, you know, like we, we did show Deacon and I was happy to see him. It was hilarious that they carried that joke on because in the first movie, she's Bill's stepmom. And in the second movie, she's Ted's stepmom. And now she's married Ted's brother. Yeah. And the same actress. And it's hilarious that she's in the, <laughs> just uh, Ted's dad, same actor too. Yeah. Oddly enough, he looked at the age like. 10 years since Step Brothers, which is about 10, I mean, I guess it was 10 years ago, but he, he seemed like he aged quite a, quite a bit since then. That's but not he, the same guy. It's not the same guy? I thought he was the same guy from Step Brothers. No, that's, um, he won, I think, I don't think he won, but he was nominated for an Oscar for um, The Shape of Water. I think his name is Richard something. I'll tell you see, in one I, second. See, I thought it was the same guy. He looks very similar, which is odd that, that he couldn't get the same guy. But regardless, I mean, the guy does a good job. No, it's the same guy from the... So Richard Jenkins is the guy you're thinking of from Step Brothers. Um, that guy... Is that not the guy from Bill and Ted? No. Uh, let's see. So his name is... He's like a a weird little character actor. And I mean, I don't mean weird, but he's a little character actor that hasn't been in much, really. His name is... Oh, shit. Oh, Harry Landon... Or, sorry, Hal Landon Jr. That's so, crazy. I could have sworn it was the same guy from Step Brothers. He's, he has a thing on Memory Alpha, so apparently he was in a Star Trek thing. Let's see. Cool. Oh, yeah. All made up as, like, a Romulan or something. He played the character huh. of Neron. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought it was the same guy, but I mean, I'm sure it's, like you said, it's the same guy from Bill and Ted, but he's he's hilarious in this. Um, so they're at a wedding, and they play, like, this insane song. It's like, it's got, like, the throat singing from, like, mm-hmm. Mongolians, and then Ted's playing the pheromone. It's, like, mm-hmm. the most ridiculous song. And then we yeah. discover that Bill and Ted have daughters. Bill's named his daughter uh, Tedina or something like that, and uh, Ted's named his daughter Willina. Yeah. You know, they've clearly named their daughters after the other one. Right. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it's pretty a, funny. A lot of this mines the the idea that they're they're the same person, or they're like they're two tendrils of one entity, just like Station is. Sure. Yeah, which is great because they they say Station at one point. I don't remember what the context was, but yeah, they go they go to therapy because their wives are like upset the fact that you know they uh, they clearly have this weird like uh, entanglement, uh, mm-hmm. if you pardon the phrase, right? Or like they say. Or, like Bill will say, me and Ted both love you, and you know the other one. Mm-hmm. And it's like they can't quite get him to say that I love you, you know, personally. Right. Which they, yeah, they touch on and that. I, and I it's mean, never came out from Jillian Bell as a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they touch on that like idea, but it's never really. I mean, and it's not going to be in a movie like this. It's never really carried through. At the end, it gets paid off a little bit because he says, "I love." Ted says, "I love you," but. 
it's it's not really a motivation for them in the movie and, sure. and anything and that's that's my one problem with the movie the the movie to me like i smiled through the entire movie because it's yeah, just it was, it was a joy because they 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 did a pitch perfect you know reenactment of their earlier you know portrayals of the characters mm-hmm. i mean it was in spite of the fact that there's so much weirdness going on it was plausible within the context of the yep. the world they had set out yeah and they they brought in Kristen shaw to be the new rufus because i i mean if if uh george carlin was alive george carlin absolutely would have been that character obviously he was too busy following the book in heaven. Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought she would. So, so yeah, they go back from therapy, and like, their daughters like they're they're so nice. Like the daughters, like, oh, you did so good. I love how you play the therapist. Is you are you studying so and so? Right. And it, it's, it, it sets it up really well because the daughters are like really obviously like audiophiles, but I think they're just being nice at first. But then mm-hmm. later, they kind of delve deeper into like they're really like obsessed with music. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like at first, you think they're like you know, like they're like you know, giving them like faint praise, but they're actually like very legitimately like referencing actual like you know, musical icons and that kind of stuff. And and I have to say, I love the way this movie honors the first two movies because we split into two different dimensions. Like, mm-hmm. so okay, we go we go back to their house, and uh, like you said, Kristen Shaw shows up. It's Rufus's daughter, and then the the daughter's like, oh, okay, it's all real. You know, they really had no confirmation, but they clearly believed in this that you know their fathers had traveled back in time and their mothers from were from the 1400s. Right. Do you think princes from the 1400s uh, do all the stuff, <laughs> or is it just missionary and then we're done? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, how how modernized have they become? And do you think, I mean, not that they would, because they're both very decent guys, but if they were different characters, you think Bill would be like, oh no, everybody uh, does this every day in the morning to wake their <laughs> husband up in the future. Yeah, I could they definitely. do that in Fort Benoit. There'd be people that take advantage of that, but obviously not Bill and Ted. Because yeah, they're like the nicest. Well, that's one of the great things about this, about this movie and these characters is... You know, it's 2020. Uh, everyone looks around; they understand the darkness that surrounds us. And a lot of the TV shows are, you know, a lot of TV shows and movies are like that. You know, we get gritty reboots of of Superman and, and stuff like that. I, I'm waiting for yeah, the gritty fucking, reboot. Uh, Gumby, the gritty reboot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm waiting for Hello Kitty, the gritty reboot. You know, like well, in uh, Japan, they make vibrators with Hello uh, Kitty and blazing on them. So maybe you don't need one. Oh my god. But these characters and this movie and their world is so joyous and it's so goofy and they there doesn't they don't take anything seriously. They never hold a grudge or get mad at each other. In the first movie, Ted's like, "Hey, remember when we asked Missy to the prom?" He's like, "Shut up, Ted." He's like, "So it's yeah, that's so, as mean as they get to each other." Yeah, and he's like, he just turns around and he goes, "Shut up, Ted." And they Ted looks at him and then just smiles and everything's fine. Yeah, it's. I mean, these characters are are super wholesome, mm-hmm. and, and people who portray them are very good people too. I mean, Alex Winter, yep. like he seems very nice. He's super, like you know, uh, gracious and that kind of stuff on Twitter. Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves, I mean, old Keanu Reeves. There's like five thousand stories about him being a yeah. decent human being. Yeah, he might be one of the and greatest they, they people have, ever. They have they have great chemistry too. I think they're mm-hmm. they're legit friends in real life. But yeah, so. Kristen Shaw comes back and she tells him, like, hey, in uh, 74 minutes, 77 minutes. Yeah, something like that. About the length of the movie. 
Yeah, this song is going to be played by Preston Esquire, and then it's going to reunite the world. And if it doesn't, then, well, reality is kind of falling apart. And there's some hilarious scenes that I'm surprised I haven't gotten more flack. Like, for example, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he vanishes. I'm like, ooh, that's not going to play well. Yeah, I, I was really surprised, too, that, that people haven't kind of pointed that out. Look, that's sacrilegious. Jesus, uh, you know, replaces George Washington in the crossing of the Delaware or whatever. Oh, I think he replaced Kid Cudi Cuddy as like the as a, like a big rap conference. Yes. Conference? A rap conference? <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> I brought my rap rap briefcase. <laughs> At uh ten fifty we'll study beatboxing. <laughs> Let me pull out yeah, my rap spreadsheets. <laughs> I don't know if you're are you familiar with the band The Eels at all? Yes, yeah. They heard the song uh, "Novocaine for the Soul" because there's like, mm-hmm. the funniest line. Like, there's uh, there's a part where he goes, "Jesus and his lawyer are coming back," and that just cracks me up every time. <laughs> like, imagine like Jesus like at a press conference and his lawyer's like, "Don't answer that! Don't answer that!" Right. Uh, Jesus, you promised everybody uh, two loaves of bread and a fish. Mm-hmm. No, no, no further questions. G- Jesus, King of the Jews, has got to have the best lawyer ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but I th- I think they don't. They're like, eh, I'd represent you, but you're not the real Messiah. Let's <laughs> get some fucking Irish guy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh come on, Jesus! Now you can't answer that question. Yeah, I'm sure some uh, some genius out there will be upset by that. But yeah, it's yeah. funny. Like reality itself is kind of falling apart. So. He goes there, and they speak before this council. Um, and it turns out that it's Rufus's wife, or at least his baby mama, and and uh, Kristen Shaw is Rufus's daughter. Yeah. And so they talk about like, well, we need to, you know, go through this. They give him like a a choice of every guitar ever, and it's funny because there are like, guitars that they you know had had in previous movies, but it's all owned by the Gibson Company, right? So it's, it's branded at the same time. That's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they, they you know, they, they decided wisely, and it worked in Bogus Journey, which, in my opinion, is my favorite uh, mm-hmm. movie. But mm-hmm. hey, we'll go into the future and steal the song from ourselves. Yep. And it does mention, too, that, you know, back in the in the original uh, Bogus Journey, they did have, like, a huge, like, you know, concert. Like, you know, they were popular for a while, but then they kind of, like, quickly descended into, like, you know, mostly infighting with death, which, you know. <laughs> because of his incredibly uh, long bass solos. Yeah. Oh my god, that that's that's so hilarious. But yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah, I like yeah, so I like that they clearly care about the writers clearly care about music and like music, obviously play music, and they you know, there's a I mean the first one obviously has a connection, uh what's his name? Clarence Clemens is, is in it and uh Jane Wyland from the uh Go Go's plays Joan of Arc, so yeah, it's really unfortunate timing for Bogus Journey because it came out right when like uh like "Quote unquote grunge rock was taking over." Yes. So like it's like, oh look, it's Slaughter. If they had a contest, I remember I had the the VHS tape. It's like if you call this number, you can get like a free concert by Slaughter. But by the time the movie came out in '92, it's like, who the fuck cares about Slaughter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't even have a chainsaw like the guy from Jackal. <laughs> Yeah, oh it was, goodness. but yeah, so like, uh, so they decided, hey, we're going to steal it from our future selves. And their daughter is also running the, they're like, hey, will you show us how to use this time machine while you're waiting for our dads? We're going to find a, the perfect backup band, mm-hmm. yep. which is hilarious. Yeah, I like, I and I like this too. A- at first when it was happening, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, but I like the, the, 
the split between the two quests, basically, because the daughters are almost doing a reboot. I mean, not really, but they're doing sort of like some of the same beats of the first movie because they're going in time and they're for sure. Yeah. And they're getting people and Bill and Ted are going on a completely new adventure. Yeah, they're they're almost doing like in Bogus Journey where it's like alternate realities, and it gets you even further into Bogus Journey, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit later. Oh yeah, and, I, and I'm sure you would say the same thing. But their daughters were great performers, but the the girl who played uh, Ted's daughter, oh my god, she is so. I mean, I didn't realize it at first, but if you watch and like I, I did start to watch again, her mannerisms are perfect for Keanu Reeves. Like, yep. It's it's yep. perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so subtle too. It's it, it's just like it, it's like legit. Like you'd think that's how his actual daughter would act. Mm-hmm. He does such a great job. And Bill's daughter does a great job too. But Ted's daughter specifically is is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So Bill and Ted go into the future. I think it's two to five years. So like, oh, we would we'd have a song by then. <laughs> and they find themselves playing a karaoke. Yeah. Like, oh, they're playing this song. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention at the at the uh, wedding, like the song they announced has like a like a three sentence title. Right. Yeah, I like that they. So in the it's like movement of the planets in accord. It's funny the the progression, and you kind of it it also helps us realize the passage of time, I guess, from the first two movies. Because in the first movie, they can't even play their instruments, and then in the second movie. They learn to play their instruments basically at the end of the movie before. Yeah, they take a break for six months, and yeah, I think six months of dedicated, you know, trying will vastly improve your guitar ability. And then in this one, like uh, Bills, like you said, is like they're playing the theremin, they're playing the the, the trumpets, <laughs> they're doing the like. Yeah, they... yeah, they're trying everything to make this song that they they are destined to make. Which yeah, they realize hey, they thought the one in Bogus Journey was correct, but it mm-hmm. turned out to be a Kiss cover. So right. I mean, nothing good ever comes from a fucking Kiss song. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my Hello goodness. There. <laughs> We're gonna get. Uh, we're, we talk about good lawyers. We're gonna get uh, a cease and desist letter from uh, Gene Simmons. Hey guys, I like to fuck, but also this is a violation of my corporate uh, property, <laughs> and so on. Yep, that's not a good Gene Simmons impression. But you know what? Fuck Gene Simmons and kiss. He was sticking his tongue out at the time, so it's a. In some ways, it's a spot on uh, Gene Simmons impersonation. Right. And I was playing bad music on the bass as well. You didn't catch that at home, but right. <laughs> this song's about party. Oh man, Ace Frehley, the hey. only, the only one with t- uh, talent in the band. He's no deuce loosely. No, he's not at all. Hey, what's the name of that really good Kiss song? <laughs> From the alternate exactly. reality. Ex- that would have to be an alternate reality. Right. But yeah, so Bill and Ted go to the future. They meet themselves, and themselves are trying to run away. And they casually mention, oh, by the way, your wives have left you. Yeah. Your wives have left you, and your life's a mess. Right. And then so we cut to uh, the daughters, and they go back in time to Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. They want to get Jimi Hendrix to play guitar for the backup band. And Jimi Hendrix uh, naturally is skeptical, so they say, hey, you're influenced by Louis Armstrong, right? And they go back in time, and they get Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. 
They show Louis Armstrong an iPhone, and it, this is this is absolutely that's, how that's, this is absolutely how it would play out too. He's he's barely even paying attention to the fact that they're telling him that they're traveled from the future and it's alternate dimensions and all this stuff. He is just fascinated that they have this yeah, device. That, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. I thought that was very you know realistic. <laughs> yeah. So Bill and Ted keep going forward to the future. They find themselves like, hey, finally we're rich rock stars. Mm-hmm. They're living in a mansion. Like they're like, hey, this is a song. They had them like this demo. It turns out that uh, they're actually just squatting in Dave Grohl's house. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Grohl's been on vacation, and it's his song. Yeah, and he's not happy that they're there. And then we kind of cut a little bit, and we discover that um, uh, Rufus's wife as uh, she. There's some people who speculate that the uh, the moment of crisis involves uh, Bill and Ted being killed to you know create the new world. So right. she's uh, made a a deadly robot, which is Anthony Kerrigan of uh, <laughs> called Barry fame. Yeah. It's just like this robot who can also travel in time. And then we cut again to the girls and they're at, uh, they're back in, uh, Austria. They're meeting Mozart. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was, I, I, I kind of like that scene. It was like, uh, Jimi Hendrix, like playing along to Mozart and like Mozart comes out and he's like, oh, okay. So I'll travel in the future with you. I like too that these that these characters do not speak English. They try to yeah. communicate with each other, but he, like Mozart is just screaming at him in German. <laughs> And what's interesting is that they use music as the uh, universal language is in that scene. And like, mm-hmm. he's like convinced that they're so, you know, they're so brilliant. And he's like, okay, I'll come. Yep. And then Bill and Ted cut to the future. <laughs> and these really jacked up like prisoners. Yes. Which is, I heard like, I guess these are like 40 pound rubber suits in a hundred degree weather. So kudos to the actors, but yeah, they're hilarious. Like uh, Bill has a, I think, no, Ted has a tattoo on his chest. Mm -hmm. This is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I like the, and this is the same with all, all these movies is they use this device to just, it's almost like a series of skits. I do it. I, obviously it's got a, a central plot that runs through everything, but it's like they're, they, it's basically just like pitching different skit ideas. Like, Hey, this would be, let's put them in this situation. This would be hilarious. Yeah. And the actors are both hilarious. So yeah, we see, and they kind of run away from them and get to the phone booth. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to the future, and like they're in like a retirement home. Yeah, they go to the end, basically the end of their lives, because Rufus gave them a watch that said, "Sometimes you don't understand until you get to the end of the story." Yeah, there's a nice little cameo by George Carlin, you know, as a hologram. And mm. do you think his daughter is named Kelly because George Carlin's real life daughter is named Kelly, like as a tribute? That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this is, I mean, he's only in there briefly, but they don't disparage like his memory at all. No, it, it's the perfect, it, it is the absolute perfect amount of him to be in it. Exactly. Yeah, so they go, and then like the girls, and then time's getting even more like loose, like people are like vanishing and reappearing everywhere. So the girls also get a modern like a uh, rapper, Kid Cootie. Yeah. Cuddy Cootie. Kid Cooties. So he joins <laughs> Yeah, so he joins as well, uh, their group. But then on the other side, um, they're, they're in the retirement home, and they get, like, this um, – it's like a USB drive, maybe, mm-hmm. or, like, an SD card that says, like, you know, Logan Preston. And what's the other part? It's, like, something 98. I don't remember what it is. M- MP46, I think, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So they take it, and then, like, they go back to their phone booth that's gone. They see, like, uh, like what looks like, uh, you know, their wives and, like, two other women in there. Mm-hmm. The older thems. 
Right. Yeah. So they eventually get it back, and then like the world's just like unraveling. So they appear. They 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 somehow uh, figure out that this this M forty eight thing is on this bridge. Yeah. And, like they see the mile marker. Like okay, we're there. You know that's weird, but here we are. So Kid Cudi's got to help engineer the uh, the stage for them so they can play. Oh wait, wait, no, we missed the one of the funniest parts of the movie. They uh, they all die. The robot kills everybody. Oh, yes, that's right. And then they go to hell, and our, our old friend William Sadler as a Grim Reaper is there, and he is so funny in this. I love that they take time out for this scene to just to basically just spend ten minutes with William Sadler's death and just have this conversation. Nothing's really happening. They're just talking about their past and everything. But William Sadler is so funny as this character and it's, it's just perfect i love i love that they took about like his bass solos and how he had like a whole album of him playing bass yep exactly and it turns out that bill and ted sued death at one point which is almost <laughs> as good as melvin death right <laughs> but yeah so then they 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 figure out that they weren't the ones that wrote the song that, uh, yeah, their, their daughters show up and they convince death. Like, Oh, you're the best bass player of all time. We need you to join this mm-hmm. band. And they, 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 you know, they, they flatter them. They, again, their you know, their music obsession, like, you know, brings up all these other points. Like, okay. And he, he consents to joining the band and they leave hell. Yeah. And so they, yeah, they come up there and like, you know, I, I figured this out like a while ago before the, you know, as the movie was going on, that it wasn't going to be them that wrote the song. It was going to be their daughters and their daughters come up with this song. Bill, Bill and Ted's, um, contribution to this is, and there's a lot of hand waving of like, you know, infinite times happening all at once and, and all this stuff, but that doesn't really matter. Basically it's just like, Hey, we can do this. So, uh, he needs to get, um, instruments to everybody because what brings every alternate timeline yeah because what brings everyone together isn't so much the song as everyone playing the song together at once like everyone kind of coming together and it's obviously a big metaphor for stuff that's coming that's going on now um but yeah, that's, I don't think it was intensely that way, but yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was a really nice little twist. You know, mm-hmm. that it wasn't actually Bill and Ted; it was their daughters. And you know, they like since they're music, you know, obsessed. They like, oh, you know, they have, they get this drummer from like you know, like 2000 BC, and it's like yes. the best drummer of all time. And they're like, oh, play this, and then they you know, they coax everybody along, and it's like you know, yeah, it, I, I love the fact that it was actually their daughters the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and that's then to, like I said, the one thing that I would change about this movie and you know this is probably a nitpick but i think that this would enrich this the the story so i'm not a big person to be like oh i would have done it this way because so often when you do stuff like that you're you know like people will be like well that sounds like shit you know everything and i'm not saying the movie's bad or anything but one thing that i would have changed is instead of having bill and ted be not successful at the you know the beginning of the movie i would have had them be successful so they play that concert and like financially and everything they're a success but they still haven't done whatever it is they need to do to bring you know the world together and in harmony and, and all this stuff but uh they come back for this wedding though it's a perfect opportunity for them to come back they come so the movie can begin the exact same way they come back for this wedding and everything and the consequence of them being so successful 
but also being like like very driven the entire time to try to come up with whatever they need to do to create this song is they don't see their daughters much and their daughters kind of like idolize them. They love their dads and everything. And that's like sort of what drives their, their obsession with music and everything. Um, cause at one point in the movie, they're like, uh, the, the older us, thems are like, your, your daughters don't even talk to you anymore, you know, and stuff. And that, that never gets explored at all. But to me, that could be, you know, that could be like the heart of the story is the, the love story kind of between the fathers and daughters. And there's, you know, a perfect opportunity to parallel that with Rufus and his daughter as well. Um, and I think that if they had done that, so like, like I said, they're super successful, but they don't get to see them as much as they want to music obsession with the daughters. So most everything is kind of going the same way. And they're like, well, let's help our dads and we're going to go, you know, back in time. And then they go on their, their separate trip. And it's only when they come together and and everything that 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 you know that's what it takes to like kind of you know uh unite the universes and everything and at that they, their little story of that like the the fathers and the daughters parallels better to me with the story of everyone in the world needing to come in, to, to come together and i think it works better than the the small subplot that they tried to do with the princesses and and uh you know Ted, bill and ted um and that's the one thing i would change but it's not like i said it's not a huge thing i just think it would have been a nicer underpinning emotionally for the story yeah i can see that but I, i'm not upset by the movie at all i mean it's no. probably my third favorite but that's not you know like shitting on it i really right. enjoyed it yeah I mean, it, I, I it was great it was great the most yeah, it was. It was. I, I was so happy that it was like a worthy sequel. Much like the Watchmen, I was just mm-hmm. happy that it, like you know, was at the same level of quality. Yeah, because it could have gone really badly, but but like thankfully it didn't. And like you, like you said to me, it's it's also probably my third favorite of the of the three. But it's still a great movie. It's they, this was uh, maybe not necessary you know quote unquote i guess no movie is really necessary but this was worth it this was worth the money and the time that they put into making this oh it was definitely i mean i hope it's like gets the acclaim it deserves because it was a very very good i mean mm-hmm. alex winter and uh keanu reeves are hilarious in these roles i mean i can't say i'd like to see more just because much like the watchman i'm worried that it wouldn't be as high quality but i don't think they'd join if it wasn't you know up to par yeah well they do they do kind of close the story out really like here because they you know they've united everything now so it's i don't know that there's much to me this really feels like a conclusion i don't i don't know that there's really any other place for them to go i guess they might be able to do some sort of spinoff with the daughters i guess but i don't think they will yeah but we've seen yoga hosers that's not a good idea (laughs) well i've seen part of it (laughs) oh my god that movie no, yeah, I'm, but I'm I'm very happy with uh, I, I actually it was for rent for twenty dollars and you could buy it for twenty five. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll just buy it. And yeah, I'm glad I did. I'll go back to that movie, you know, every so often because it, it's it's good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Great movie. Check it out. Uh, I believe it's available on Vudu and I don't know if it's available anyplace else, but I know it's available on Vudu. It's on Amazon. OK, so Vudu and Amazon go out and and watch it, rent it, buy it, you know, whatever. Uh, like like Mike said, it's only five more dollars to buy it. I would recommend buying it. It's a movie you're going to want to watch 
um, you know, at least a few more times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Amazon, I assume they'll be around for a while, so you should be able to check back every so often. Right. Oh, but that is our episode for today. So, uh, Mikey, anything that you want to add before we get out of here? Nope. All right. Well, then we will see you next week. Bye. We'll see you next week.